everyone, I'm Ari, here with Rachel, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer Podcast. This week, we're on episode 199, and we're asking, can you have too much dialogue in a novel? Before we dive into the topic, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening, if you haven't already. And if you're enjoying the show, please share it with friends and feel free to write a review. Okay, so we're talking dialogue. I guess it is very much a personal perspective. However, you have to remember that you are writing a novel, you know, an actual novel, not a screenplay, not a script or anything like that. So yes, you're going to need dialogue, but it shouldn't be all dialogue. And if if dialogue is the thing you like to write and you are really not interested in writing description, then maybe write a screenplay. Maybe that's where you should be writing. I don't know. But when you are writing a novel, you need to build the world and develop characters and create action and tension and conflict and romance and all that other good stuff that we throw into stories. You can do that with some dialogue, but not everything. And in the end, you've also got to make that translate out of your head, which is always a horrible thing, onto the paper and then over to the reader. So you kind of have to paint that world out for them. And if it's all dialogue, you're not going to get much of a painting. So, you know, yes, you can show emotion and conflict and romance with dialogue, you know, with dialogue and dialogue tags, you can do actually quite a lot. But how can readers actually feel connected to your world or your characters if they don't get a feel for it? So in my eyes, writing is definitely a balance. Too much description and your readers will skip and skim. We've all done it. We've all done that thing where you're like, oh my God, it's about four or five pages of description. So you're sort of skipping ahead to the next part. Or if it's too much dialogue and your readers start to struggle to form connections or get fully immersed. I don't know if you've ever read any novels where someone starts talking and then it's three pages long and it's it's some giant speech. And it's just like, I don't care what this character is saying or who they're talking to or what it's about. I just I just don't care. And I think that's what you can get. But I think we have this idea that dialogue is the is the 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 real meat of a story and, and that's what people want to. They skip all description to move to dialogue. And no, it it's not true. Some people do. But yeah, you definitely need a balance and you can have too much dialogue in a novel in my eyes. So I definitely agree with you, but only to a certain extent. And I will say that, I mean, this is going to be one of those episodes where Rachel plays devil, uh, devil's advocate again. It definitely is personal perspective because once again, no two readers read the same book. Everybody perceives it differently. Everybody has their likes and dislikes with writing styles, this, that, and the other. I do think that there is a point where you can have too much description because then it just gets dull and possibly info dumpy after a little while. And you probably can have too much dialogue, especially if you don't properly use dialogue tags and have little action tags that go along with them. If you're just doing straight up dialogue, then yeah, that gets confusing after a while. But going back to the whole writing style thing, Ari and I have talked about it many times on the podcast that everybody's writing style is unique to them. There are no two two writing styles that are the same. And that's something that I've always struggled with when I started writing because I am someone that writes more dialogue than description. And there are a few reasons for this. And I didn't realize it until probably within the past year or two. But many years ago, I remember looking through Barnes & Noble and I was in the YA section and I found a book and I can't remember the title of it. I know the author's name is Will and I tried looking it up before we recorded the episode and I found an author. I had his book. His name is Will L-E-I-T-C-H. I have no idea how to pronounce that, but he wrote the novel Catch, which I did have years and years ago. And I don't know if that's the story that I'm thinking of. I actually have his latest release, How Lucky. 
And I couldn't get through it because it was so description heavy. So I don't know if his writing style has changed over the years or if this is a different will. I don't know. But I do remember going to Barnes & Noble and I found a book and I opened it up and it was pretty thick because most of the pages were filled with dialogue. And I remember my first thought when opening that book was, hey, somebody writes like me. Because for years and years, I thought, well, I write too much dialogue. I don't have enough description. So that was kind of like a little confidence booster for me because I was like, well, if this guy could get published with mostly dialogue, then I probably can as well. But the other thing is, I think it all kind of comes down to reading comprehension. And I was going to do a little more research into this before we started recording, but I didn't want the episode to get too technical. So I didn't. But I'll try my best to explain what I mean by that. I'm always amazed whenever we talk about books or Ari talks about movies, you just go on and on and you remember everything that happened in great detail. And even if there's a movie or a book that I've actually read, or watched and I'm like, hey, I can contribute to this. I can't because you end up explaining everything. And I'm like, I don't remember that happening. I don't remember any of that. I have to read a book numerous times for it to sink in. I have to watch a movie like a good two or three times with subtitles for it to sink in. When I write, all right, bear with me, guys. I have a warped thinking process. So please bear with me. When I write and when I read, I don't picture things in my head. Like when people read description, they're like, wow, the author is painting such a beautiful picture. I know exactly what they mean. I don't get any of that. I get a black void. There's nothing that appears in my head and there's a word for it. There's actually a picture that I saw on the internet. And if I remember, I'll send it to Ari because she's editing this episode. So if you're watching on YouTube or listening on YouTube, hopefully Ari can add the picture. But have you ever seen the meme with the apples? and people picturing apples in their mind. Some people, when you say picture an apple in your mind, some people just see an outline of an apple. Some people see it in black and white. Some people see an apple as you would in real life. For me, I have difficulties doing that because I have to ask follow-up questions. If you tell me to picture an apple in my mind, well, do you want me to see a red apple, a yellow apple, or a green apple? Do you want me to picture just the apple or is it still on the tree or did it fall off the tree? Is it half eaten? Is there a bite taken out of it? I don't know what you want me to picture. My brain gets confused and then I just don't picture anything at all or I get distracted and think of something else instead. So when I write my dialogue, I end up writing dialogue heavy stories because I like to have the characters set the scene. I like to have the characters explain what's going on. I don't explain the plot and stuff necessarily through narrative. Yeah, through description, because I like to have my characters figure it out. Like my stories are written in third person, but my readers are on the journey with the characters. So the characters are discussing with each other and the reader is just the third wheel, like watching it all happen. So when my characters discover evidence and clues for the murder mystery, I don't necessarily explain the scene. I just have my characters say, oh God, look over there. There's blood on the floor. I don't have them walk into the house and I don't have a couple of paragraphs of me describing the room or anything like that. And that's just what helps me with my writing. It helps it I think even reading too, it helps me a lot just to see the dialogue rather than the big paragraphs of description because all of those words together, it just gets jumbled around in my head. So I just, I prefer to see like 
the one to three lines of dialogue and then we go to a new paragraph. It's just easier for me to read. And one other thing, again, my warped mind. The other reason why I like dialogue heavy things over description is because everybody has a different viewpoint on things. Like if I describe something to be beautiful, my definition of beautiful is not the same as Ari's definition of beautiful. It's not the same definition that somebody else would think is beautiful. If I described a beautiful vase that was clear and shimmery and iridescent or whatever, somebody might read that and be like, that's not beautiful. That's an ugly ass vase. The message doesn't get across the same is what I'm trying to say. And I realize I'm going on a rant, so I apologize. And I hope this all made sense. That's my whole point. I do think whether or not you have a lot of dialogue or a lot of description or a good balance, everybody has their own definition of the perfect balance between the two. And it just depends on your preferences. It depends on your how you read books and how you perceive them. But yeah, I don't think you can have too much dialogue in a novel because I think it just depends on your writing style. And no matter what your writing style is, no matter what genre you write in, not every reader is going to enjoy your work. Sorry, but you can't please everyone. And er But everybody does have their own audience. So if you write a lot of dialogue, there's going to be people out there that will prefer that over heavy description or like a more of an equal balance. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. Give me a minute. But first of all, I remember hearing, I, I learned it a couple of years ago, and it blew my mind that there are people who don't have visual imagery in their head when they read, when they think. It's like some people don't have dreams. They don't have imagery as dreams. It's just noises or music or anything. And I'd always, it was like, real? But then I remember when there was a study that came out about how not everybody thinks the same way. And like, they were saying like, some people have like a voice in their head. And it's like, yeah, obviously. And it's like, no, apparently that's actually not even the standard apparently to have a, a voice that sort of talks their thoughts out, which is what I have. And it was like, wait, really? So it, yeah, so Rachel's completely true. There are so many different ways that people see it. And I can imagine if you don't have the visual imagery in your head that builds up as you read, I can totally see why dialogue heavy would work. I can. I will I will hold my hand up and say, grudgingly, yeah. <laughs> I will hold my hand up and say, yep, Rachel's completely right. In those situations, I can I can see that. And obviously some people do find it easier to just read dialogue. Well, I was just gonna say, you're you're like, I'm not trying to say that you're wrong either. Like what you explained earlier, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm no. just saying that there, like, <laughs> there is another side to it because with the dreams and stuff, I do have a voice in my head. It's a friend, but like, I don't always dream. I mean, everybody dreams. It's just a matter of whether you remember your dreams or not. And nine times out of 10, I don't remember my dreams. And it's interesting because when I write, I can picture everything in my head, but that's because it's coming straight from my so, mind. Yeah. yeah. So whereas like when I read books, I'm like, mm, is this really what the author intended me to see? And I don't know if that's, again, my overthinking or if it's because I am also a writer and I'm reading like a writer instead of a reader. There's like that fine line. Yeah, I think it's like when you said the Apple thing. To me, that's it's like when we talk about writing, there's the concept of don't overwrite. And that's not write too many words. There's another type of that where it's you spell everything out for the reader because you're not meant to. Everybody's meant to see those characters a little bit different. You could say they've got long black hair and warm brown skin and dark black eyes and full red lips and, you know, wearing the most shimmery green fitted dress. 
And I guarantee if someone had to, if each person had to draw that person, they would look so different. Yes, they might have the basics of the long hair and certain colours, and but everyone would look different. They need to be able to pull the pieces themselves. To be, like, You give them a bit of foundation and then they build the rest of the world around it. So with the apple, as soon as you said that, the first image I got was floating apple, red, very red, very snow white red apple, kind of a threat red. <laughs> And I'm not even the biggest fan of eating red apples. It was very cartoonified. And the fact that you said with yourself that it was like you needed more follow-up questions. It's an interesting concept because that's almost like you need, for you, it makes it easier to have someone kind of lay out, well, rather than saying, picture an apple, whatever whatever works. I mean, the first thing I thought was, what does it mean like Apple computer? <laughs> someone sat there thinking of the Apple icon. You know, it's like they're really like in the computer mindset. Oh, yeah, Apple, yeah. But yeah, so it's, that's an interesting thought too, that, that, you know, there will be people like yourself out there who need the more detail, which would be interesting because then you'd think the description heavy would be better because then it paints it out completely for you. And there was something else you said, and I'm trying to remember. I don't think it's going to come back. But yeah, you said that there's an audience for everyone, and there is. I'm going to play a little bit of that. <laughs> you are a whole go for it, go for it. There is always an audience for something. I think the only issue is if you write heavy dialogue or heavy description and you are less balanced, while there will always be an audience for you, I find that you may, and I might be wrong, that there may be less of an audience. So the marketability might reduce. That's the only thing. But again, I mean, I remember the one, the book I was, that always sticks out for me that was heavy description was a Stephen King book. And this, that guy has got thousands of fans, millions of fans. But honest to God, I trudged through that book. There was so much description. And it was not great description as well. I just remember there being huge, like one size paragraph that fit the whole page. I'm thinking nobody needs that much description about a park or a car or whatever the hell it was. It wasn't even something cool. It was something mundane and that. But I've also read the books that are where it's just dialogue. And I'm they're thinking it feels like I'm watching a political speech, you know, and the two parties are just talking. And again, I'll say I'll, I'll add the caveat for me. I'm not I'm not speaking for everyone. For me, I find it's harder to convey tension and conflict with just dialogue or with just description. I think they need to be, for myself, a better marriage together. Now, that doesn't say that you can't have 60% dialogue and 40% description or whatever. I think it, I think if it ends up being like 80% dialogue and 20% description or 20% dialogue and 80% description, that's where it might be more difficult. I also think, as Rachel said, if you use your tags well, if you put in action pieces within dialogue, because I don't think you ever need a huge chunky piece of description that goes on for pages. Usually, what you what what a lot of good books find is you get the description at the beginning that kind of just lays out the scene really quickly and the characters' moods and everything. And then usually when people are talking, they get together. It also depends on what you're writing. Like Rachel said, with her characters, they're solving a crime, they're together, they're seeing things and, and discovering things together. Now, if your characters are on their own a lot, then they've got no one to talk to. <laughs> so then you have to use the description and the mood and the prose to get the characters, like, get the fucking word, other than mood. That can't be another right word. But yeah, you get the character and how they're feeling and what's going on in their life through description and prose. It's, it's a weird one, actually. Yeah. Rachel has given me a lot more to think about with her information. So yeah, I, I I I will I will admit that I hadn't thought about it that way. So that is a good point. I was just gonna say I don't know whether to apologize or say you're welcome. No, you should never <laughs> apologize. No, it's 
this is the thing though it's really good to get different perspectives i mean we're from two different countries we're of different ages you know it's like it's nice to get we write different genres it's nice to get a perspective from someone else it's one of the reasons why we have guests on from all over the place all over the world because it's nice to see what other people think and sometimes you'll you'll someone will say something and you'll think wow i never thought of that and i'll be honest even though i'd heard that people don't always have like a visual thing when they read it didn't dawn on me until you said it how that would affect them reading a story and why they might like this over that so no never apologize ever for giving your perspective it's really important and i'm sure it's really helpful for all the people out there all the people who are exactly in the same boat thinking shit I did not know that or I write a lot of dialogue I'm never going to be published and it's like right if, you, if all your if all your stuff is dialogue print it look at Shakespeare his was plays but it's all it's all book form everyone's reading it all the time I mean schools are forcing it down your throat there is always an audience there is always someone who's going to buy your stuff so yeah oh well thank you I mean I'm glad I was able to give you a different perspective yes because the funny thing is as I was saying earlier that like I need more context and I need I have follow up questions if somebody explains something to me. The funny thing is when I write, I like to leave it up to my readers. I don't mind open ended endings. I don't mind writing something like with the vase. I don't mind just calling it a beautiful vase and letting my readers picture what their idea of beautiful looks like in a vase. I don't mind doing that. To me, that's how the readers get immersed in the story is if they're, they feel like they're physically there and they're looking around. But what you said earlier too, about the audience and having the balance between dialogue and description, I do agree with you. Like, obviously, if you're going to lose audience, you're going to lose some of your audience if you have readers that prefer more description over dialogue or vice versa. But you also have to think about your goals when you're writing and publishing your book. Because if we were having this conversation 10 years ago, I would probably have a very different perspective on it because I wanted to be a full-time published author. Now, I don't. I like the writing community is, I view it with very different lenses and just writing as a whole. And I want, I still want to publish my books, but I want to publish them so that I have a copy. If people buy them and they like them and they want more, great, fabulous. But if they don't, if they buy them and they hate them, well, that's fine. I still have a copy for myself. I can still say I had fun writing it and it was for me. I don't want to write to market. I don't want to write for an audience. No offense, guys. But I just want to do what I want to do. And it's one of the reasons why I chose the self-publishing route is because I want to have control, like creative control over all of that stuff. So I think that's something else to think about in terms of your writing style, whether you write more dialogue or more description, or you seem to have a 50-50 balance. Think about your ultimate goals. It's like, do you really want to cater your writing style to an audience? Or do you just want to have fun with it and just do your thing? And that's it. Which that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother conversation. Something else that like, you know, we can't answer for you. That's on you. That is always a good point. Yeah. Everybody's writing goals change and, and what you want to do and how you want to do them. And your audience can change. I mean, I've I've been told several times that you are better as a writer if you, not better, what's the word? You're 
you're more likely to succeed as a writer if you brand yourself specifically something like a YA writer or romance writer or horror writer and stick to one genre. And actually, if you write multiple genres, you need to do separate pen names because apparently people freak the fuck out if they're reading your fantasy and then you write a sci-fi and they read it and they think it's a fantasy and it's like, no offence, if you don't notice the spaceship on the front, that's kind of on you, people. But And it's like, well, I'm sorry, I, I might create another pen name or, or or whatever, but I, I have an idea to write several different types of genres and I have no interest in not doing that just so I have to then write, you know, I can market myself as just a fantasy writer. I currently am, I class myself as a fantasy writer, but I have so many ideas and they stretch a lot of other things. So yeah, you have to kind of work out what works best for you. If you are writing to market, you need to think about your audience. You need to think about whether that is what you want to do. And I love the idea of like, yeah, publish. So you've got a copy. You have a nice, clean, lovely, hard copy and it sits on your shelf. And it's like, yes, I totally see that. That is awesome. And I think there's a lot of writers who like that. It's almost like a if someone likes it, that's just a bonus. <laughs> it's, it's you write for you on the like the most ultimate level that you write and publish and get a nice clean printed copy that you can hold in your hand and enjoy reading over and over again. Yeah, hundred percent get that. I do. It's that's brilliant. I am going to quickly run through the last of my notes. Okay, for anyone who does want to try and get a balanced view of of description and dialogue. What you could do is when you're doing an edit, try and look out for those large sections of dialogue. You know, let's not have our villains monologuing for ages and we don't want our heroes giving lengthy speeches when they're just chatting to friends. Try and keep a track of those sorts of areas where you're over-describing if you're heavy on the description or you're over-dialoguing, if that's a word. Action is always recommended. So if you're having two people argue, which can obviously be heavy dialogue, it can be a little bit hard to read. Like Rachel said, you need to keep your tags clear so that you know who the hell is speaking. Obviously, don't put so many tags in that it gets a bit messy. You don't want to constantly be saying the same person's name over and over. That's so frustrating. One of those annoying pet peeves of mine where it's like, hi, John, I'm going over there, John. John, do you need something to drink? I'm going to the library, John. Oh my gosh, John, is that you, John? It's like, would you stop saying John? Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, that's just by the way, I decided to throw that in. So yeah, you need to add in like actions. So that can be, you know, you slamming doors, raising voices, gesturing wildly with your hands, throwing a glass into a fire and then it bursts into flames higher because of the alcohol. There's so many things you can do that, that just break some of the dialogue up, but you can still have a lot more dialogue if that's how you want to do it. And also even in plays, you know, where you've got scripts that are mostly dialogue, you'll still have stage directions, you know, where the character's moving around and gesturing and performing certain actions. So yeah, there's there are ways of doing it. It doesn't have to all just be a lot of dialogue or lots of description. Kind of like weave them in together is a good way of doing it. So yeah, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> Rachel, anything else? No, I, I got to say that despite everything that I said in this episode, do take Ari's advice because if you want to write a script or a screenplay, then absolutely you go ahead and do that. But if you are planning on writing like a traditional novel format, then yeah, you do need to have a good balance of dialogue and description. You do need to use those dialogue tags and you need to have just a little bit of description at the very least. Like you still need to set some sort of scene and character development and plot and, you know, all you know, everything that's supposed to go into a novel should be in the novel. So that's all. I'm just saying I concur. <laughs> See, even when we have the devil's advocate moments, we always still have each other's backs and we're like, yes. Uh, yeah, so I suppose if the question was, can you have too much dialogue in a novel? As I said at the beginning, it is personal perspective. I personally think uh, it can be too much. 
and I would struggle with that. But again, that is me as a person. I don't like excessive amounts without at least actions in the middle of there and some description that helps to build the world. Because I like like something somebody to do a bit of painting for me. But yeah, that is my personal personal perspective and Rachel gave hers and I thought that was absolutely brilliant totally made me think differently there are obviously other writers out there who are exactly the same so yeah there is no right or wrong it will have effects positive and negative on both sides you know and to be fair there are so many novels out there that are like classics that are so heavy in description and I've looked at them and gone never reading that and yet my partner absolutely just devours these books so yeah seriously there's always a market for every book that's the good, that's the best takeaway, really, isn't it? No matter what you write, someone's going to want it. Okay, with that said, now let's turn it over to you guys. What are your thoughts on on too much or too little dialogue in stories? Are you big on dialogue, small on dialogue, big on description, small on description? Let us know. Put it in the chat so we can talk about it. Remember, we release new episodes every Wednesday. Next week, we have a special episode to celebrate our 200th episode. I almost said 2000th. Wow, that's just stupid. To ensure you don't miss it, do hit the subscribe button on your way out. And as always, thanks for listening to the Mary Rider Podcast. We'll see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Arguments Over Tea and Coffee, whose side are you on? The music titled Inspired is by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.